What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Digging In Podcast, and welcome to episode number 10 of the Lessons From series. I hope you guys have had the chance to listen to the previous nine episodes. If not, then don't start here. I promise it would be better if you started from the very first episode. With that, welcome back for those of you who have been listening this whole time. You're on episode 10. So congratulations and nice work for making it this far. Let's keep on going and keep making this a fantastic daily habit. We are continuing the story of the family of Abraham and we are just about to finish the entire book of Genesis. Yes, that is right. We have finally come to the end of the book of Genesis with our final character, the character of Judah. Judah is one of the 12 sons of the father of Israel, who is Jacob, who we talked about in episode eight. And let me tell you what, this is going to be one roller coaster of a story. It's gonna be so weird and so confusing, but we're gonna do it together. So go ahead and grab your Bible, your pen and some paper, and uh, I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna jump right in. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us all together yet again so that we can carve out time to fix our eyes on you. It's so important that we do this. And when we do it daily, what we're saying is, God, you are important. You are important to me. You are essential to everything in my life. So thank you for becoming so big in our world that we would spend 15, 20 minutes of every morning spending time with you in focused study, in constant learning, but also in growing in a deeper love of you. Thank you for everything that you have done, are doing, and will do in our lives. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right, guys. So with the new pattern that I'm doing with you guys, remember, I'm going to ask you a question to to answer, but I'm also going to go ahead and give you the Bible verses that I want you to read before we actually dive into where we're going today. So the question I want you guys to answer, this is crazy. This is a really weird question. What is prophecy? What is a prophecy? What makes something a prophecy? Why are prophecies important? And here's another one for you. How do prophecies even work? What on earth is going on with this whole thing about a prophecy? If you are a sci-fi and fantasy book reader and you love these crazy stories, then I'm sure you've heard the word prophecy. And if you have, that will give you a hint about where we're going today. With that, here are your Bible verses that I want you guys to read today. Once again, I'm going to ask you guys to step back into Genesis 29 verses 31 through the end of 29 and then go all the way to chapter 30 verse 24. That's the birth of all 12 sons of Jacob, the nation of Israel. And Judah, our character of discussion today, is obviously within that list. Then I'm going to have you read 37, 25 through 28 at this really weird moment on the inside of the story of Joseph, who we talked about last episode. Then I'm going to have you kind of breeze through a few other chapters, but really where I want you to get to is 49 
verses 8 through 12. I'm going to give you a summary and an overview of everything else in Judah's life, but um, for now, really all I want you to do is that verse 29 through 30, and then uh, 37, 25 through 28, and then 49, 8 through 12. So go ahead and answer the question of what is prophecy, how is it important, and how does it work? And then go ahead and read those verses and then join us back here for more discussion. Awesome. Guys, that's, you know, not as crazy, obviously. This isn't as crazy as a story as the story of Joseph, but there's still some some depth here. There's still some uh, really important stuff here. And, and, and unlike Joseph, where Joseph's entire story is really crazy and really action-packed, the only moment where we really see a whole bunch of action-packed stuff for the story of Judah is actually right there at the end. Those last verses I wanted you to read, 49, 8 through 12. And we'll get there because that's going to be the main topic of study today. Because what I want you guys to do is follow along with me. I'm going to give you the five bullet points of Judah's life. The, the five bullet points of what we really know about Judah as one of the sons of Jacob. Right there in the beginning, the first bullet point is his birth, right? Just a birth story. So we know that he exists. That's quite literally the first thing we know about him is that he is real and he exists. The second thing we really read about Judah is that verse in in chapter 37 where he is like, hey guys, let's not murder our younger brother. Let's not murder him. But hey, we could definitely sell him into slavery because that's way more chill. And you're like, wait a second. I mean, yeah, you're not killing the guy, but slavery almost seems worse because that sounds awful. And you'd be right. That is awful. So he avoids murder. He avoids the Cain and Abel and he helps his brothers to see we don't need to kill him for him to not be with us. So let's just do this instead. So not really a great light to be shined on Judah. Then we get a chapter. Chapter 38 is really, uh, it's, it's about Judah when he's a little older and this really crazy, weird story. Now, if you guys are um, a little bit older, if you're in high school, um, honestly, like juniors and seniors in high school, I would really recommend you guys read this story. If you're younger than that, it's not that the story is not important to you. It's vastly important to the whole story. But I'll just tell you right now, it's full of some slightly mature content. And it's also full of stuff that's really confusing. And so if you want to talk about chapter 38 with me and why it's important, the story of Judah, I am more than happy to do that. Please get in contact with me um, through First Baptist Church Durango. Um, look that up on Google, go to our website, and then email me. Once again, my name is Finn Foster, and I'm the youth minister here at First Baptist Church of Durango. Email me. We can get into an email conversation about it or a phone call, uh, whatever it takes. I'd love to talk with you about it, but for now, I'm not requiring you to read it because it's a really weird story. But just know that essentially he's got some wicked sons and he makes some horrible decisions and that leads to a bunch of other horrible decisions afterwards. Just a, a story of his humanity, if you will. We read about some weird stuff with Noah. We read about some weird stuff with a lot of biblical characters. Um, their humanity is on full display. Joseph was one of the only characters we read about where it seemed like there wasn't a lot of sin in Joseph's life, but rather just a whole bunch of awesome God moments where in the story of Judah's life, we kind of re-enter back into the story of humanity and bad decisions. Um, so that's the third bullet point. 
And then the fourth bullet point is, again, the story with Joseph. He, Judah enters into the story with Joseph when the brothers come to Egypt because they need help. And Judah seems to be one of the primary people talking with Joseph at that time. Now, I'm not sure why, to give you the, the very straightforward answer, I don't really know why he's the only one really talking in that story, but there is some purpose to it. That's bullet point number four. And then bullet point number five, the major moment of Judah's life comes right here in the last moment of his father's life where he blesses all of the sons. So this is chapter 49, verses 8 through 12. And that's where we're going to be at today. That's where we're going to get our lesson today. So let's go ahead and turn with me Go all the way back to that chapter, or if you haven't yet read it, please go back and read all the things I told you to read. It's super important. But then I want you to get to 49, 8 through 12. And we're going to break it down verse by verse to really talk about what it means. So once again, just so you know, chapter 49 is Jacob gathering his sons together and giving them his blessing, that final moment of blessing. If you remember in the story of Jacob, his dad, Isaac, blessed him and his brother Esau at one point in their story. It's a very common ancient Near Eastern old-timey way of passing from one generation to the next. And so this is Jacob near the end of his life looking at all of his sons, blessing them and giving them um, a few things, words of advice and, and obviously a few other things. Most of the time, however, these blessing moments, these moments that we're going to read about, most of the time in history, it's almost like a will. You know, like when someone rich and famous dies, they, they give the house and all the land to this sibling or this son or this daughter. Then they give the cars or they give the company to this person right after they die. That's like a will and testament. And a lot of the times, that's what this blessing can really look like, even the old-timey days. That's actually where we get that tradition from. However, this blessing is very, very different. This blessing doesn't seem like Jacob's giving his sons anything. He's giving them words. And that's why I asked you the question of what is prophecy? Because we're about to step into a blessing that is part blessing, part prophecy, and part poetry. What that means is it's going to be read a little bit differently. There's going to be some confusing imagery, and it's going to take some digging for us to really get to the bottom of where we're going here. So let's go ahead and knowing that now, let's, let's zoom in on this poetic and prophetic message from Jacob to the line and his, his son, Judah, and to the line of Judah that follows him. Let's go ahead and jump in by looking at 49 verse 8. So in 8, we, we see this thing where he says, basically, all of your brothers are going to praise you, Judah. In fact, his name means praise, like to be praised is his name, Judah. And so what this verse 8 really, all it's saying is that all of your brothers will be underneath you. You'll basically be the king over all your brothers. And you'll also defeat all enemies. Any enemies that come in your way, your line will defeat them all. Now, that's really interesting to talk about because obviously they lose battles here and there. But the overarching theme is one of victory. The line of Judah will be victorious at the end of, at the end of all. 
So that's really, that's really helpful. And also, when I say he's going to be the king over all of his brothers, let's just remember, this is the 12 tribes of Israel. The, the nation of Israel comes from these 12 sons, the whole nation of Israel. And so when it says that he is going to be king over all of his brothers, that means that somewhere down the line, he is going to be ruling over the whole nation of Israel. Some relative, some line, someone from the line of Judah, this specific branch of Israel is going to be ruling over all the other 11 tribes of Israel. So really important. Keep that in the back of your mind. Verse nine, Judah is like a lion, a lion. It's really important. The lion of Judah is a phrase you hear in description about Jesus later on in the New Testament. And also it's a phrase describing Judah right now. He's fierce. It's going to be very dangerous to challenge Judah in the line of Judah because of how fierce and lion-like they are. So a fierce lion-like king who will be over all of Israel and defeat all enemies, victorious in all things. Pretty, pretty awesome blessing so far, am I right? Yeah. Verse 10. This is where it gets crazy. We start talking about a scepter and what it means to have this scepter that never departs from Judah. And there will never be a single ruler like him. Everyone will be between his feet. All this stuff is saying is that not only will he be a king, someone from the line of Judah, but he'll be a king like there's never been before and there never will be after. The line of Judah will hold the staff of kingly nature forever and ever. Very important because also this statement has a little bit of a qualifier, meaning there's something that also has to happen really before that kingship is completely established. And what has to happen, what we read here, is basically that the entire nation of Israel has to be unified. They all have to be together first, and then that kingly stuff will start. So again, this is prophetic. This isn't really just like a, I'm leaving you with my, you know, with my, all my land and all of my cows and all of my, no, he, he's telling, he's telling the brothers, all of them sitting together, that Judah's going to rule over all of you one day. That one day as your, as your lines grow together and glow, grow away from each other, all that, that one day you're all going to become unified once again together as one family. And the person from Judah's family line will be the one who rules over all of you. And this is pointing directly, guys, I'll just give you the spoiler. It's pointing to David, King David, who comes about in 1 Samuel. And, and that's really crazy because this is way, way, way in the future. The story of David is way in the future from here. And then what's even crazier is that David and his entire rule and reign, we find out in 2 Samuel verse 7, we find out that all of that actually is just pointing to Jesus as the ultimate king. So really, what we also know is that Jesus is from the line of David, who is from the line of Judah. And so Judah and his entire line and this kingly scepter, this staff that the king will hold, is all pointing to Jesus. Mind blown. Absolutely mind blown. 
Verse 11, go to, go to verse 11 and verse 12 with me. We were reading about garments and wine and eating this donkey eating and all that kind of stuff, right? In verse 11, all that's basically saying is that when that king from verse 10 is in power, there's going to be so many grapes and so much wine and so much riches that won't even matter if the donkey's eating from the grapes. We won't even care. We're going to be so rich and so powerful and so plentiful that it doesn't even matter because even our animals will be eating of our riches. So looking forward to a glorious future kingdom, not just a future kingdom, but one of glory and unified power who defeats all enemies, fierce and dangerous to challenge, right? Wow. And then verse 12, most scholars believe that verse 12 is really aiming at what the leader is going to look like you know, purity and, and having purpose, pure and white and all that, right? It's, it's a vision of the, the beauty and the power of the leader who will come from the line of Judah. And so what we are reading about is that Judah, with his ridiculously weird backstory that shouldn't match up, right? He, he wasn't always good. He wasn't always perfect. He didn't really do anything outstanding. In fact, if anything, his storyline is kind of wicked. It's not very great. It's kind of evil in even some parts, right? So why does he receive the blessing? I don't know. (laughs) Guys, I don't know, but that's the lesson today, is that this prophetic, poetic blessing that Jacob is giving to Judah isn't coming from Jacob's just prediction that this is how it's probably going to be. This is a God-inspired moment where he's telling Jacob, Judah will rule. From Judah, he will rule. And so this is really bizarre. But the lesson for today is this, guys. Trust in God. Because no matter what, no matter what, he is in control. No matter how unlikely the human being, how unlikely the potential hero, no matter how unlikely the story of one human being can be, God is in control. He moves in the most wicked of people. He moves in the most amazing of people. Look at the story of Joseph, who seems to have no sin. God moves in his life and does amazing things. What we're soon going to read is the story of Moses in the Exodus and how God works through even Pharaoh and how he makes the the things of Pharaoh, all the evil in Pharaoh's life, he turns that evil into good for the people of Israel. No matter how unlikely the storyline looks, God is in control. Guys, look at last year. Look at 2020. Talk about a year of being out of control, utter chaos. Every direction we turned seemed to be downhill forever. What would it look like for you to look at last year and say, God, somehow I believe that you're still in control. What would that look like? I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like immense faith. It would look like you saying, God, I can't control this world. I can't even control my own life, but I know you can. Guys, fall to your knees. Right now, fall to your knees knowing that when your life is spinning out of control, 
There is a God in heaven in control of all things, working things out for the glory of his name and for the good of his people. This is the only hope we have in this world, and it's the best hope to ever exist. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From series. Join us next time as we move out of the story of Genesis and into the story of the Exodus to talk about another descendant from the line of Abraham with the greatest story yet to be told, the story of Moses. Moses.